Huh? Yeah, whenever you're ready. <laughs> <laughs> hey, everyone, I'm Kevin Wolf. And I'm David Oro, and you're listening to The Umbargo, the greatest PR podcast of all time. Damn straight. Whenever we get around to it. Which is usually every other week. We're going to talk about news, politics, sports, pop culture, business, whatever we want. All of it from the point of view of public relations and communication. We are all about punching stodgy PR in the face. That's right. So sit back, strap in, and let's get it on. Today is Thursday, February 10th, 2022. It is 77 degrees here in the Napa Valley. Yeah, February 10th. It's a wonderful day out here. Everybody should come and visit and drink wine. Where are you, like Kevin? I'm in the same place I'm always at, Dave. I'm in Menlo Park, California. It's like a jungle uh, it's probably 70-something degrees out here, too. I've been working all day, so I have no idea what it's really like outside. I was just I, listening to our, our intro. Our, hey, are we punching stodgy PR in the face on a consistent basis? I think so. We do it all the time, yeah. Huh? We're doing that? We do, we're doing it all the time. We do okay. it all the time. At like, least we do I'm it on never, Twitter a little bit. If I'm we're, ever not punching stodgy PR in the face, I want you to let me know. Right, so step, step up your game, Kevin, because you're not hitting it hard enough. Yeah. Yeah. Well, our, our snark comes through on Twitter. So, okay. You yeah, we try to be following us there? I hope somebody's following us there. Do we have any well, followers? You know, we get like a follower a week or so. I see some PR people there. <laughs> we got PR Daily to follow us. And oh, really? Long. Whoever their social media manager is, is pretty snarky as well. Yeah. So uh, I like what they're doing over there. So. Oh, yeah. Okay. All right. Well, uh, what's up, man? How's everything going in your world? You all right? Good. Just busy, sir. And yeah. it's 77 degrees. So I'm going to go outside after this podcast and go do yeah, something. Yeah. You said, that, so. hey, did, are you going to go outside with a mask on or off? <laughs> off, dude. It's, it's over. I'm done with Pandemic's <laughs> over, is it? <laughs> no, I'm over the mask thing. The mask thing's been driving me crazy. I don't want to go down a rabbit hole there, man. But, like, you know, I, I, think, I think they're telling us to take these masks off. And maybe someday my kids in school will get to see other kids in school and like what their faces actually look like. You know, I, well, I think that'd be a great thing. What do you think? Move to Florida. You can do it all day you want. So <laughs> the, the pandemic's been over there for months. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, man, it's uh, it is gorgeous out here. And uh, I feel bad every time I talk to people like our guest who we'll introduce in a minute because the weather's been spectacular and, uh, you know, it's shorts and T-shirt weather. And I'm getting outside and we got, um, you know, baseball games and lacrosse games that my kids are playing. And flowers uh, are blooming. Trees going, are yeah. blossoming. Yeah. Oh, I took a great picture of a cherry blossom. I don't know why I did. I've never done that before. <laughs> outside my house. I was like, this is beautiful. Like spring is here, but it's like February 10th. So I don't know. Maybe it's not going to last. But for now, I'm enjoying the heck out of it. All right. So who's our guest? Kevin, oh, this is a- your guy. Yeah, it's, this <laughs> is my guy. We got a great guest today. Uh, his name is Matt Pillar. And Matt is uh, he's a journalist. Uh, he was a PR guy. And we'll talk about the evolution from the, uh, I don't know, from the good side to the dark side, I guess, is, is where we'll go with that. But Matt is currently the chief editor of Bioprocess Online. And before that, he was the chief editor of a handful of tech-focused publications, including Software Executive, Channel Executive, Business Solutions, and ISR Magazine. That's where I got to know him. And we can, uh, we can get into that, too. Matt, as I mentioned, has, uh, has also been an independent marketing and communications consultant and a copywriter. He went to college at the University of Buffalo. Sounds Coach- like a cool place to go to school. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. <laughs> I think, yeah, yeah, yeah. That beard he's got, I can see it on his face. He's probably had that since college because he's got to keep warm. Anyway, he's currently based in Erie, Pennsylvania. Matt 
Keller, welcome to The Embargoed. It's my pleasure to be here, Kevin. And it's it's my immense pleasure to see you again. It's been a long, long time since we talked back in those days at, at ISR. It, it has, by the way, by the way, Matt Pillar or Pillar? Am I screwing that up out of the gate? No. So you just you just you were doing it right, and then you okay. had to, then you had to go and ask. Yeah. No. I, I, I should. What, what's it? Don't don't ask questions. Uh, ask forgiveness or something like that. Yeah, I guess I should have done I'd let it that you way. Know. Yeah. Anyway. Well, for me, I, I you know he's a journalist and he's well yep. respected, and I yep. was like, oh, it's Pillar. Oh. <laughs> I think so. Yeah. I guess like you know, is that like Porsche and Porsche? depending on how fancy you want to be zero reason to fancify it matt pillar welcome to the embargoed man i appreciate you coming on i know you're a busy man um you know we just i wanted to catch up man because you know you were uh you were a good guy you are a good guy i'm sure but you were a good guy when i got to know you and i want to you know and i was i gotta be honest like over the years and this kind of part of our whole podcast premise here which is you know, punching PR, stodgy PR in the face. And sometimes that's necessary because the, the traditional way that PR people and journalists work together is stuffy and, you know, and, and it hasn't always been smooth. And, and I found working with you that it was smooth, that I could like reach out and ask you a question and you were responsive and considerate. It hasn't always been that way. It's not always that way. So I don't know. I just thought we could like figure it out. Like, hey, why can't PR people and journalists get along? Like yeah. why are men from Mars and women are from Jupiter or whatever that book is. So Venus, Venus, Venus. Venus. All right, I didn't read the book, obviously. <laughs> anyway, that's what I want to talk about. But let's let's start let's start at the beginning. Okay, let's 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 not uh, let's not ruin the surprise. Why don't you tell us about uh, about how you got started in uh, in comms and journalism and you know how it all began. This and and you know what? It's all going to come back. It's all going to come back. Yeah. To the, the opinions that I have formed about the relationship between PR people and editors um, is is all going to come back to where it started for me. So it's a great place to start, Kevin. We're going to come full circle, I think, in this conversation. Nice, because I came out of came out of went into college not knowing what I wanted to do, not knowing what I could do, not knowing what I was equipped to do. Uh, majored in in comms and journalism because what the hell else was I going to do? You know sure. what I mean? There wasn't it wasn't there wasn't some driving passion there. It was like uh, as a matter of fact, I came home from my 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 first semester of college. I came home from college. I can say this. I can tell the story real quick because my dad will never hear this. Um, I I I came home and I and I said, my dad said, "What do you think? You know, you you've been in a liberal arts college for for a few months now. You know, making any thoughts about what you want to what you want to do with your life." And I said, you know, at the time I was, I was running track. I ran track in high school in my first couple of years of college. And I said, you know, I really want to coach track. And he said, well, how, how are you going to do that? I said, well, I guess I'm going to have to become a teacher. And he goes, well, I guess you're going to have to find somebody else to fund your education. I <laughs> <laughs> didn't think that was a good idea. That's a, that's a cold dose of reality right there. <laughs> sure was, you know, so I'm like, yeah. oh, he's so supportive. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I love, I love my father, by the way. Sure. Um, <laughs> Anyhow, anyway, I, so you I gave up the of, track dreams. You gave up the track dreams, off, the track suit. And there's regret there. There's regret sure. there. That's 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 a Dr. Phil episode. That's not uh, the embargo. not the embargo. No. Yeah. So anyway, I came out of school with a with that degree, and uh, I, you know, I I had a, uh, I, I I was always good in English. I was I always a, you know fancied myself a decent communicator. So it it fit. It was a good fit for the personality. But I came out of 
my, my senior year had an internship with a nonprofit doing uh, Marcom, you know, doing some PR and marketing, kind of, you know, both hats for uh, the small uh, nonprofit in Buffalo. Uh, that turned into a full-time job when I came out of college that, you know, I mean, it paid like $23,000 a year, but right. that, that's about that, right. was, that was Buffalo in 1997. It was a place to start. Uh, so that, that's, that's where I stayed for a little while. And then I moved, then I moved into a, I went to work for a PR firm. I went, uh, we were a PR and marketing firm and uh, I was on the PR side primarily. And it was an awful experience. It was, it was <laughs> this, this is in Buffalo. Was it because you were in Buffalo? I mean, what was, what was, no. what was horrible about it? No, it was, it was an awful experience because, uh, because I was, I don't know, 23, 24 years old working for a PR firm that specialized, had a, it, it, to its credit, specialized in, um, in, in, in metalworking. It was, it was <laughs> okay. So, so our clients were all, uh, you know, heavy, heavy machinery, you know, metalworking clients. I knew nothing about that space. Yeah. I was 23 years old. Didn't know what I want to do with my life. Didn't know what I gave a shit about, but I knew I didn't give a shit about metalworking. Yeah. <laughs> it took, it took about five minutes to come to that conclusion. <laughs> you know, five minutes. I, I love Buffalo, by the way. Don't, don't okay. Buffalo's, but go bills, know, go bills. Guys. Sure. Go bills. Absolutely. Uh, but, but what, what does that, what does that mean? Like I'm 23 years old. I'm doing PR. I didn't like my boss. Uh, I'm doing PR for, for clients that I, I don't understand. Um, and, and, the, and the editors in that space are for the most part, like these super grumpy, curmudgeon old white guys who, uh, who didn't want to give me the time of day. My lack of, I guess, deference to that space or, or respect for that space was reflected in my work. I was bad. I wasn't good at it. I had no passion for it. There was no, there was no heart in it. Right. Uh, so I, I, I didn't, so two things. Well, I didn't last very long in that position. The company didn't last very long either. Uh, the, the company ended up, ended up folding shortly after I left it, but I left that job, uh, did, did, did a little bit here and there, but I ended up coming into, coming into the, uh, the, the publishing industry on the heels of that experience in PR. Um, but it was informative. I'm telling you, like it, it was informative because I find myself now for the past 21 years, I've been a, a journalist in some capacity with a brief hiatus, uh, when I went out and did some, some contract work, um, custom content and that kind of thing. Right. But for 21 years, I've been a journalist, uh, on the opposite side and, and, and the PR people, so many of the PR folks, uh, big agencies, I'd say mid mid market agency through large agency. I find myself working with that exact same persona that I was, uh, 23 year old, fresh out of college. <laughs> yeah. Doesn't give a shit about their clients. Doesn't really understand what they're doing and wants a piece of my time to recite something from a piece of paper uh, yep. and, and, and go about the job that way. Now, on the other hand, Kevin, my memories of working with you are very fond. <laughs> <laughs> I was older than 23 when I was pitching you. Um, so I, don't mean to be, but, I don't mean to be ageist here. But, but, but I think that has something to, to do with it. Right. So, you know, I guess at this advanced stage of my life, mid midlife, whatever I'm at, I don't know a lot of 23 year olds, but I do remember myself somewhat as a 23 year old. I remember Dave as about a 23 year old. And I don't know. I mean, most 23 year olds don't give a shit. They don't know what they want to do. Right. So it's a confusing as hell time. I think just in general, you know, and if you don't really, I mean, a lot of people, I think kind of fall into comms, right. Maybe come from a similar background. And, and I think I was in a similar space. I was a political science major in college 
did decide not to go to law school. Wasn't sure what I wanted to do, but I, but communicating, writing, you know, reading, those were things that I was able to do reasonably well and, and kind of slipped into this comm space. But, you know, my first job was in the semiconductor equipment manufacturing industry. And to your point about metal, like what the fuck? Like I have no idea this stuff is used to make what? And so, you know, and, and I think, so pitching those editors and trying to, you know, uh, come off as someone who a understood it and B, you know, cared about it. That's a, that's a challenge. Uh, I think for, for anyone starting out in any field. So I guess I'm not terribly surprised that you had that, had that experience. No. no. And you know what the thing is? I, so the, the, I think the, the problem, I don't know, maybe getting ahead of myself here, but the problem I think with that is um, now, you know, 20, like I said, 21 years into, into this, this career as a, as a journalist across multiple industries, I'm, I'm often amazed at like the big agency side. I mean, I'm amazed at large PR agencies who are taking incredible amounts of money from great big giant clients and then handing, this is no offense to those young people. Like I said, I was one of them. I get it. Yep. But but they're handing the execution of these multi-million dollar contracts off to the, to those kids. hundred percent, hundred percent. Craig, Dave, speak on that. You and I were those kids at Fleischman Hillard, big PR firm charging tens and tens of thousands of dollars to our clients. You and I were doing, you know, a lot of that work. Explain yourself. Sir, what, what, <laughs> what, what do you have to well, say? Well, you know, Matt, as you were talking, you know, picking up that phone and making a call to a journalist at a young age uh, and not really knowing the industry. I remember calling somebody at, um, I think it was Atlanta Journal Constitution from San Francisco. First of all, calling across the country, coming straight out of school, some random editor was like a big thing. I'm like, I got to call this guy. I don't even know him. Yeah. <laughs> Do you call him sir? Do you call him sir or ma'am? Like, what's the yeah. proper way to, to make that approach? I, I don't remember exactly who I was calling for, but he ripped into me. Yeah. And I was like, yeah, that was a stupid phone call to make. But here's the thing. Going back to your point, my boss said, you should go call these people. It's a local. I, I had to be a local thing. Nobody would call the journal constitution today unless there was something super local that you sure. wanted to get. And uh, I don't know. I just, you know, I think it's one of those things where you take your knocks there. But to Matt, you're, to your point, better agencies ought to be doing better training. And I've seen firms, particularly in Silicon Valley, you know, there's these smile and dial shops. Just start calling people. And and if Kevin, if you talk about this, and I don't know if we were talking about this pre call, pre recording, or or at the beginning, but there's this angst that becomes that gets created between journalists and PR pros mostly because the PR pros don't know what they're doing because <laughs> they've been told to go out and meet with journalists and that's how it right. is and and so for seasoned guys like us who who try to have a more thoughtful approach to reaching out to media we get bundled up into all of that together and that's it sucks <laughs> wow you know there's a, a- yeah, it, it certainly does. And fortunately, you know, when, when I'm, I'm relaying these experiences with, with young P, PR people from when I was one and when I, you know, made the transition into journalism, and it was a long time ago, we got to keep this in the, in the mind, right? It was a long time ago. And back then, we were all print and a lot of it was phone based. It was, that it phone was based yeah. now, 
there there are different tools in the toolbox now for for PR uh, people and, uh, and and journalists alike. But like P- PR um, practitioners in particular have a lot more opportunities, a lot more creative opportunities for outreach. That was one of the reasons I got up out of PR, by the way, like back then we had, uh, you know, especially in that stodgy to use your word yep. industry, we had a templatized approach to drafting a press release. We had a very formulaic approach to, you know, doing a, a count of calls to specific journalists attempting to get attention for that press release and the phone cold calling was how we did it. This was 1997, 98, 99, right? Like we email was, was a thing, but it was a relatively new, uh, new business tool. Um, So it was just one of the reasons I got out of that space was because I just didn't, I didn't feel like I had a whole lot of uh, control over um, creativity like there wasn't yeah. really a way to get out of that kind of formulaic approach um and 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 that was still the case when i was being pitched back then now think like i said things have gotten a lot more creative now there's a lot more opportunity for a dialogue and and uh pr practitioners who have specialized this is something i wanted to talk with you guys about because there's as i've moved from industry to industry i've noticed incredibly different approaches to uh to PR, depending on the space that, I, that I've worked in. So it varies. You're saying from industry to industry, it, it's different. I have seen incredible variance in the, like in, I'll, I'll give you an example, a high level example. We can dig into it if you want to. Yeah. I work in biotech now. So for the, for the past two and a half, three years, uh, I've been covering biotech. And in the biotech space, there are, you know, a handful of, um, large agencies, but they're large life science specific agencies. They're focused on the life sciences. Um, and I'll give you an example of one. Uh, there's a company called Life Comms out of New York City, headquartered in New York City. I don't know. They employ maybe 100 plus um, uh, PR practitioners, if you will, account account uh, leaders. I don't. I'm going to say that I'm going to say that 60 of them are, are PhDs or MDs in the wow. life sciences. They have super, super, super high uh, skill sets, uh, yep. knowledge bases around the industries that they cover, uh, the clients that they cover. Like they're, they're, they know their clients' product and science, even though it's super, it's it's super high tech stuff. And when they when they get on the phone with me, or or we engage in an email dialogue about a potential story or or podcast guest, um, very very quickly we're on the same page about what I'm looking for. They're very ver- well versed on on their client's perspective, um, super highly specialized, super educated, like, yeah. And, and, and they're not so, the only agency like that. There's another one called Russo partners, uh, so, headquarter boss, same, same deal. Like very, very, very specialized, very, uh, well-educated. M- M- Matt, tur- turn that around. And you worked in the tech industry too. Mm-hmm. What was the experience like? Yeah, and, and tax. So when I was when I was like at ISR, Kevin was the exception because Kevin, uh, even back then, Kevin, you were uh, a, I don't know what you call yourself a niche or boutique uh, a- agency yep. with uh, a very very high degree of specialty on on your on your clients in the space that we were in. Um, most of the great big giant uh, tech companies uh, that were advertising in or you know interested in getting coverage in the book back then you know, Oracle, SAP, sure, SAS, so on and so forth. They, they hired these great big giant 
agencies that, again, I mean, this is the example I gave earlier that were handing off multi-million dollar contracts to be executed by kids with no experience and no specialization whatsoever. I don't know if it's as necessary in that space as it may be in biotech. Right. It's, it's a problem nonetheless, in my purview. Well, well, and it's, well go ahead. Yeah, yeah. So it is, it's helpful to have some experience and knowledge on that. Right. But I think, you know, in a lot of sense, if we're, Kevin and I came up through the dot-com boom and it was just kind of go get them kind of thing. And everybody was creating what I would say is, you know, the PC world or the computing or the technology world coming of age. Right. So everybody was new, right. Before that it was, it was hobbyists and enthusiasts. So we're into it, but the reality is, you know, I was a business major. I kind of played with computers. Kevin was doing sports PR a little yeah. bit. We had no business doing anything in this because we didn't have the knowledge of, but you know, you that's what a job's for, right? That's what you the job I. is for. But yeah. I'll tell you this, as the people that I admire internally at organizations now that are in marketing actually have technical backgrounds. And I work in tech PR too, enterprise tech. And some of these folks that are putting together marketing materials, the best ones I see have a computer or engineering degree in the background because they can walk the walk, talk, talk. And then, and then they actually are pretty good at English too, right? No, <laughs> so, yeah. and, and but it, but it, it's not a requirement, I, I don't think, to do this job well, but you do need to, you do need experience. And, 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 and yet the only way to get experience is to, is to do stuff. Right. So well, on the one hand, you know, it's annoying when you get, I'm sure as a, an editor, as a journalist, when you get those pitches from junior people and they do today's point before they need to be better trained. And I, I you know, I think as an industry, you know, making a, a strong commitment to that. And I, I think these big companies do, but they could probably do it more and, and they don't for a variety of reasons. And it typically comes back well, to, it's not cost effective, but, but as a junior person, you, you need to, you need to cut your teeth. You need to practice. You need to pitch somebody. You need to pick up the phone and call someone or send a bunch of emails and see what comes back and see what works and what doesn't. That's a big part of this job. I mean, mm-hmm. PR, you know, uh, you know, say, say what you will about it, but it's really about finding the best way to work with people. And, right. and, and the, the challenge, in my experience, one of the biggest challenges is that everyone obviously is different. And you might make a pitch to someone in one way and it works very well and it, and it just doesn't work. For someone else. And it's the same pitch. Uh, and it may even be the same type of person that you're pitching it to, but just based on that, you know, who that person is and their experience and their background and what they're feeling or thinking about on that day. And so really like the art, if you will, of PR is finding the best way to work with everyone to the mm-hmm. best of your ability. And the only way to figure out what works for you and what works for them is to try it and is to experience it firsthand. So you know, all the training in the world, I mean, it's important, but at the end of the day, it's that experience um, and, and kind of going through that process is what's going to make you a better PR person. Yeah. So, go ahead. Go ahead. I was, Matt. I was just going to just, I'll, I'll be real quick here. I just, just two points of constructive, uh, you know, kind of constructive points on, on what you just yeah. said. So, you know, here, here I am calling out this problem, right? Something that I see as a problem, because from my perspective, as the guy who's spending, you know, spending time and giving time to PR practitioners who want to engage in the dialogue. Yep. If, if I give you two or three opportunities to understand what I'm looking for and you're too um, ignorant or inexperienced or, you know, combination of, of, of both to, to grasp it, you're only going to get so many attempts. Now I'm a friendly, yep. 
I'm a friendly. You are. One, yeah. hundred percent. Yeah. One of the pieces of advice I would give is that like, if you're a, if you're a new uh, practitioner of public relations or even a middle manager, someone who's directly in charge of, uh, you know, a, a group of these young people that I'm talking about who are just learning the space, cut your teeth on friendlies. Cause I'm going to give you the time. I'm going to give you the time. I'm not, not, it's not an unlimited amount of time, but I'm going to give you a whole bunch of it and I'm going to give you positive feedback. Um, but you have to look at it like from a, from two levels, like there's the personal level and I was there too. I just want to reiterate that even when I joined uh, the publishing industry, the trade publication industry, I, I started writing about, I started writing channel uh, for, for, for an IT channel magazine. I, I'm not an IT guy. Uh, and it took me some time to embrace what I was doing there. But when I did, I did. And that's, you know, so the other piece of advice would be, if you're new in this space, recognize that specialization, there's an immense value in specialization in, in a niche in understanding something thoroughly, a space, an industry, a client. Recognize that, and it's hard, but as quickly as you can get from starting where you stand and knowing nothing to knowing something, knowing enough to get on the phone with someone who covers that space and having a, a you know, a meaningful conversation with them yep. about it, get there as quickly as you can. I know it's hard when you're young. I told oh, you that's, that's great advice. I didn't know what the hell I wanted. To well, do it, it, it is awesome advice. And I, I would say too, a little bit differently. I, you know, along the way in this career of mine, people said, know the business, right? So there's a, there's this, Notion of knowing the technology, or in your case, Matt, knowing metal <laughs> or Bio other technology things, or the metal yeah, 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 right. But also knowing the business of how things are getting done. Why is this technology important? How is it being implemented? How is it made? Right. And so that's actually knowing it. So having that domain expertise is important. Uh, and you can only get that with experience and time, in a lot of the sense, unless you studied in school and jumped right in. And you're already there. The problem for people that are working at PR agencies is they're asked to work across several clients. You don't get one client unless it's a super big client, which right. agencies don't like to do because that client may go away one day. Yeah. And you'll be without a job. Clients. Yeah. Right. And so yeah. you may have a telecom client and they may also put you on an e-commerce client. And then you know you're going to get a third one because you got to work on at least three clients uh, along the way. And then and that may forbid, be hey, if you do good work, they're going to find somewhere else for you to be too. You so know? so th then you begin the specialization gets harder to do because you're That's spread right. across client. So what they end up doing is either becoming a great account person who can see things across the board and manage to make sure that the work gets done or they become a, a, a media expert knowing who is the right contact at the Wall Street Journal for venture capital or for enterprise tech or for consumer tech. They're not necessarily diving deep into these things. In order to get to a specialized place, the individual has to get there. For me, it, I had to do the same thing, but even, and I chose enterprise technology. I didn't want to do anything with consumer tech. Yeah. But did even here, but do you work on the agency side, David? We, did you yeah, work? that's where I met Kevin over at Fleischman yeah. Hillard. Uh, we, uh, I was there for seven years, and I think Kevin, we interacted for two fruitful years. I don't even know. Yeah, maybe like one and a half, anyway. But <laughs> I'll tell you what, you know, what we're, what we're really talking about in some ways is kind of a a uh, a business model challenge for the big agencies, and not to 
not to give a uh, you know a, a shameful plug for the the smaller guy like Dave or, or myself, but you know these big agencies are not set up uh, you know to um, provide the depth of training or development to junior staff uh, in terms of provide in terms of their ability to turn around and provide value right out of the gate. So what these guys, I mean, I don't know, burn and churn might not be the right way to put it, but they put these young people in and Dave and I were some of those young people where they just throw you into the fire, you know, and they say, look, go out there. You know, this is basically what you want to do. This is roughly what you need to know. Good luck. And by the way, you know, some of you are going to make it and the others aren't, but along the way, we are going to uh, bill you at, bill you out at, you know, five X, what we're paying you or seven X, what we're paying you. And, you know, uh, and, and that's the way our, our business is set up. And if we invest too much time or too much money in training you, as opposed to you figuring out yourself, uh, you know, we're going to lose money. And and if you do good, just just good enough, we're going to be able to keep those clients and bill you out for more next week. So it's it's really a it has a lot to do with the business model uh, of these larger that. agencies. I get that. But I wonder why. Why I'll, I'll give you each. Now I'm the host. Yeah, go ahead. Ask away. Hey, hey, it's a conversation, man. One minute. I'll give each one minute to to tell me. I don't know how much time we have, so tell me why'd you leave, Kevin? Why did you leave? Uh, I wanted to go in house. I wanted to see what that experience was like. Uh, I had done the agency thing for about uh, five or six years, give or take, and I wanted to try uh, being in house and and have that experience and run a corpcom program and. Uh, and actually, frankly, the, the reason I, I left being in-house was because I was frustrated hi- with the PR firms that I had hired when I was running communications in-house. I never felt like I was getting value uh, value commensurate with cost. And I know I wasn't providing value from the agency side. And I thought there's got to be a way to, better way to do this. Uh, there's got to be a middle ground where the client feels satisfied and um, you know, I, I feel good about the work that I'm doing and, uh, and that's where I landed. I've been at this for 20 years, but, but that is, that's a, that's a big part of it, right? It, you, you really have to, you know, find a way to, uh, deliver value to your client so that the client feels like, you know, they're getting what they want and not, uh, and not overpaying for it. It's a sweet spot. Uh, but I don't think big agencies are set up to do that. I want to, uh, David, why, why'd you leave? Cause I want to get back to a point here. Um, cause of the war in Iraq. <laughs> oh, is that why you, you left <laughs> yeah. the agency side because of the war in Iraq? SARS and the war in Iraq. So oh, you were in China. Is. That's right. You yeah. were in China. Yeah. So I, I had worked at Fleischmann Hillard for a while and I actually really liked the place. And, uh, although it was, I've had I had some experiences along the way that were you know made me question what I was doing, but I was living in China for the first SARS, so I've, I'm a COVID survivor um, three times over, I guess. <laughs> and um, you know, my contract in Beijing ended, and Fleischmann Hillard spent all this money to put me overseas, working Hong Kong, Beijing. I was, you know, got a bunch of expense money, you know, to live over there. But when I came back, uh, I was trying to get a job back in San Francisco, but they wouldn't take me and the war in Iraq started. And so, and I didn't want to stay in China and they didn't want to hire me in San Francisco. And I was like, all right, I'll leave. And I took a contract position and then I went in-house for a little bit and then came out a little, came out like Kevin did shortly afterwards. So, yeah. So. 
Hey, I, hey uh, Matt, I want to put you back on the couch here. Um, we, we've talked about some of the things that... Hey, uh, wait, hold on, hold on. What? He was going to finish something. He had something else to oh, say. Oh, are you going somewhere? Yeah, I was just going to make one one point. About Do it. Make that, that point. I'll, I'll, make it, I'll try to make it concise. Miles can clean this up in editing. Okay, go ahead. Oh, we're, <laughs> we're all wordy people, so it's hard. Uh I, I don't, I'm not going to profess to, you know, to, to be an expert on the economics of giant uh, agencies. And I get the point that you're making. And I can see there's, there's certainly value in throwing a young kid to the wolves for, I don't know, six months, a year, playing horizontally, learning a whole bunch of stuff, and then kind of seeing where it shakes out. I get all that. But I also get that um, the turnover is absolutely insane. Yeah. <laughs> from, from the outset to about the age probably that you left kevin and when you have talent uh perhaps you know unmolded talent just revolving through that door going out as fast as it's coming in i would i would I, I would suggest that perhaps whatever the magic economic formula these agencies are playing with is is flawed I would, yeah. I would say it costs yeah. a lot to replace people. It costs a lot to lose talent and it costs clients and relationships with media when you don't quickly get to a point where those, those engagements with clients. Totally. And media I, I, are, the agencies I, love those huge margins, man. They, they love that. You know what? They just go, look, you know, I'm going to bill you out at 200 bucks and I'm going to pay you 25 bucks. And yeah, you know, I'm going to turn you over and, and that's, that's it, man. It's as simple as right. that. Yeah, so it's, it's a bummer. I get it, but that's Matt. it. I'll turn it around <clears throat> to say, hold on, let's not get a sip of water. The um, the other question I think you should you should ask is, you know, why did we leave, and why did you get into this? So, Kevin, I was in house at an agent uh, at a at a firm, uh, not a PR agency, but I was PR agency before that. Kevin and I got into this business because we could do have that sort of agency service and model. And they're like half the cost of big PR firms and still make a good living out of this and do better work and have right. a choice on that. And I think, you know, sometimes when I talk to clients, because, you know, we're a boutique shop, there's a couple of people that I that work for me. It You get more the experience that you're talking about. This is the model, right? You, you hire more experienced people, but it's mm -hmm. not a big agency, right? Well, all we need is a phone, a, uh, the Internet and Zoom channels these days and a media database. And we're off to the races. Uh, and the agency model works because I think there's, I think it works for most companies on scale. So if you're a large corporate, you're going to need offices in multiple places around the world. And maybe that's when it works. But even then you're right. The model is a little bit broken. Cause if we, if Kevin and I were to walk into a PR agency today, we're either running the shop or a VP and all we're not doing any media relations work. Our job is to go find new business. Yeah. And or keeping business and being the senior person that walks in, tells about 10 young people that we're managing to this is what you do. Go do it. Don't fuck yeah, it up. Definitely not. Pitching that. <laughs> we're, we're definitely yeah. not. You know, we're, we're not going to call you. Pitching. We're not going to call no. you. Yeah. 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 So. Because the, the cost of that is is too great. Or, or I, I guess the flip side is the cost is so uh, small if it, to just you know get a junior person to do it. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, I, I hear you, man. Like it, it ideally. PR people are going to be a little more sophisticated. They're going to, their, their knowledge of who they're pitching and what they're talking about is going to be greater. Um, and, and they're going to make smarter pitches as a result. Now, having said all that, what is the responsibility of the journalist? So, you know, I, I have this experience all the time. I've been at this for almost 30 years. Dave's been at it about the same amount of time. 
I think, you know, I have a reasonable, reasonably good idea of, of what I'm talking about when I make a pitch to someone, uh, you know, 98% of the time, uh, I feel good about it. And yet, I don't necessarily, you know, I don't always get the, the responses that I would expect from journalists. And sometimes, you know, I'm ignored. Sometimes, uh, you know, I'm put off. Sometimes it's clear the journalist hasn't taken the time to pay attention to what I had to say. Um, and I've heard all the, you know, uh, the, the reasons for that, I think. And they range from, you know, I'm busy. I get a lot of pitches to, you know, I'm working on other things. I'm on deadline. Uh, I can't respond to every every message. I would I'd be doing nothing but that all day, and you know uh, I find that frustrating. And I find you know when when I kind of feel like I've done all the things that I need to do as a PR professional to make sure that my pitch is a good one and mm-hmm. is targeted and is relevant and uh, and timely, and yet I'm getting pushback or um, or or no response from the journalists. Uh, you know, I, I, I feel like, uh, the journalist side isn't, isn't meeting, you know, isn't living up to their end of the bargain. So what, what's your take on that? Yeah. Well, so, you know, I can't speak for all of them, obviously. Uh, and, and a lot of it, a lot of it comes down to Kevin, the, um, the journalists editorial and, 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 uh, I guess publishing model. And there, as you know, you're talking primarily B2B, I'm assuming. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So as you know, there are various, there's just a, 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 you know, there's a long continuum of, um, of, of B2B publishing models from, you know, pay to play, advertorial, nasty, you know, BS crap, all the way to like legitimate, respected, you know, clear line between editorial and advertising um, and, and everywhere in between. So a lot of the response that you're going to get from editors kind of depends on where they lay there. Like in my case, for instance, like uh, I, my, my number one priority is my reader and my, my company knows that I do not like if, 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 if one of my business biz dev reps comes to me and, and they want to try to wedge me or leverage me to help them make a sale or influence right. an advertiser, I tell them to pounce off, go away. Yeah. All I care about is my reader. So if you, as the PR person, as a PR practitioner, understand who my reader is. Like if you, if you understand who my reader is and, and what, what I want to present to them in terms of a story, that means you're providing value to me by teeing up for me opportunities to, to tell that story, you know, Agreed. to produce that content. Um, so like in, in the space where I'm in now, some of the, some of the PRFs, some of the agencies that I, that I referenced earlier are like secret weapons for me. They're, they're, they're yeah. super strong allies. Um, now I don't know, you know, there's, there's a lot of ego in this space. There's a lot, when you're, you know, trade journalists who've been around for a long time, maybe made a name for themselves in an industry, you're battling ego. That's one of the things I hated about doing PR. Like, come on guy. Like, dude, you're right. You've spent the last 30 years writing about like welding machines, right? (laughs) You the man, right? Like, yeah, Yeah. I, 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 for sure, man. Like the, especially in the tech space, I think. Because, you know, tech journalists are just a step away from, you know, the, the tech execs that they write about who are some of the more famous people in the world in some cases. Yeah, you're so, rubbing elbows with them. It's, you're, that's you're not right. that guy. I mean, that's right. I, I got I to tell you a story really quick. I, I you know, during the dot-com days, I had a client called AutoWeb. And we just got a bunch of money. And, uh, um, and so we went to the, the auto, automotive news' annual 
dinner and it was a big award show and it's like Ford, Chrysler, Mercedes, everywhere. And we had, and like, it's the who's who of the auto industry. And uh, everybody was there, the Ford CEO. And then it was sponsored by Crane Communications. And I forget the guy's first name, but he, he published Automotive News for the last 50 years. And, you know, AutoWeb was founded by a couple of young guys. And we're all like in our 20s. And we, we were at the head freaking table, mm. right? And this was like before dot-com was. And I went up to, I think it's Keith Crane is his name, the publisher. I mean, this was freaking Hugh Hefner of Automotive, right? You know, <laughs> um, and I went up and shook his hand. I was like, hey, I'm David R. from Ottawa. We're fucking here. Yeah. <laughs> he, looked at, he looked at me like, who the fuck are you guys? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> you know, we just sponsored this thing. Are you ready? You know, and it right. was the naivety and all that. But you're right. Like, Matt, it's like some of these guys have been doing this for years. And like we walk in and trying to pitch them on some story. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, Kevin, just to encapsulate that one, like, I mean, I, I know you do it. I know you provide, you, you gotta, you gotta prove value to, to what the guy's trying to do. Like, if you're going to make my job easier, if by giving you some of my time, you're going to make my job like easier, more efficient, uh, better, you're going to help me, you know, put better stories together. That's how you win them over. And, um, and, and understand, I guess, and try to, even even if you got to kiss a little ass, understand yeah. there's, there's usually going to be some ego stroking involved. Well, I, I, yeah, I mean, uh, you know, I, I think I mentioned before we got to recording, you know, there was a journalist at, uh, at I guess it was, I think it was TechCrunch, right, Dave, that was complaining online today about, uh, you know. It's right, it's right here on the screen, Kevin. There you go, right, PR firms with, uh, you know, with shifty embargoes, right, changing embargo times and you know, manipulating media that way. And, and I, I, I could see why the journalist was frustrated. She posted on Twitter. She says, this is annoying start of the day, which I get. And I, I, I can appreciate, but, you know, uh, I think maybe it's, maybe it's a taste of kind of how the PR person feels when you do make relevant pitches uh, and you do take the time to, you know, read what a reporter has been writing about and considering who the reporter's audience is, all the things that you're supposed to do that we just talked about, and you're still not getting responses back. So I really think it, it works both ways. And, and you know, I, I just, it, it's, it's a frustrating aspect of this business when in my mind, the, the PR person and the reporter can and should work together. Uh, and not, not at all times. I, I get it. You know, I get the PR peer person is pushing something. We're selling something. And the reporter's job is to kind of sift through that bullshit and figure out what they actually need. And maybe they don't even need the report that the PR person, you know, 50% of the time. So I can appreciate that. But uh, it, it, I think it behooves the journalist, the, um, you know, to, to, to think about like, well, you know, how can I, how, how can this person help me? How can they add value? How, how can they help me tell the story, uh, a story that my readers are going to care about? And when journalists just kind of blow that off or hide behind the their email inbox or, you know, have some bullshit reason for not responding to it, there, there's a reporter, I, I, you know, at, at TechCrunch, I don't, I don't want to say his name, but it rhymes with Schman Schmiller. And uh, <laughs> you, you can figure it out for yourself. But I, mean, I actually called that guy the wrong name one time. I was emailing a guy named Rich Miller and I had also emailed Ron Miller at, at TechCrunch, you know, five minutes later, and I called him Rich. And the guy has refused to respond to pitches from me for 10 years since because he <laughs> was pissed that I called him by the wrong yeah, name. I mean, get off your fucking high horse, man. Like, oh, I'm trying to do a job. You're trying to do a job. 
I want to help, you know, if I can, when you need me, uh, show me a little respect. You know, that's, I I think that's just. He's a big deal because he interviewed someone important one time. I guess so. I guess so. No, I get it. I get it. And, uh, yeah, I, um, I'll do my part. I can promise you I'll do my part to try to influence my fellow uh, journalists. I appreciate and, that. Yeah. And, and we're going to do our part. Yep. We're going to do our part by, you know, trying to talk to junior PR people and make sure they understand the importance of, you know, of, of doing their homework, I think is what it comes down to. You know? I, I guess we could do that, Ken, but we did our part by just getting out of the agency life and doing this stuff. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I, I suppose. But anyone listening to this show that's just starting out in the PR profession should understand that it's important, that it's necessary to Matt's point to like take the time to appreciate who the journalist is writing for, who's reading their stuff, how can you add value to that conversation, and then doing it in a responsible, respectful, timely, relevant fashion. And I, I think, you know, once you once you check those boxes, uh, you've kind of done, you know, you've done what you're supposed to do. Yeah. Call, call me. I'm a friend. Like I said, I'm a friendly. A- yeah. Any of you, any, anyone welcome to call me. I'll walk you through some ropes. Give you Love some it. tips. Or you can just listen to the embargo all day where we're dropping yeah. knowledge and advice <laughs> that it, you just can't get anywhere else. Why, why right, go, well, why not go to a conference when you could just listen to us? Every there you go, man. There you go, Matt. It, it's been great to have you. Thank you for the frank and honest conversation. And Kevin, thanks for bringing them on board. I, I got to find yeah. more people that sing my praises and get them on this show because <laughs> Everybody just keep, talk keep about searching, that. Dave. You'll find someone. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Matt. Uh, what, what's the temperature right now for you out there? Uh, I, I don't know. I haven't been outside since this morning. It's probably 20, 24 degrees here in New York, Pennsylvania. Yeah, let's, warm with some, yeah. Uh, let's warm up with some good music from Sean Pillar. <laughs> Sean Pillar, this is my daughter. This is my nice. daughter. I know it's a, it's a little more mellow than what you guys usually do, but this is my. That's I, all right. Yeah. Uh, we'll, we'll let her run. Thanks for thanks for being on the show. Yeah, man. Thanks for making thanks, time. Guys. Chisel.